Welcome to the Divorce Tribe Podcast. My name is Luke Mydell, and I created this weekly podcast to provide support and healing as you navigate the daily trials that accompany divorce. I have been where you are, I have walked that lonely road, and I'm hoping to share what I have learned and what I am still learning through others. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Welcome to episode 18. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. I love this time of year. It has been one of my favorite holidays since I was a little kid. Since I got a shoulder harness where I could put all my Star Wars figurines one year. One other year, I got the Beatles Red Album. And I just listened to it on my CD player all Christmas morning. My brother Nate will hear music from that album. And it brings him immediately back to that Christmas morning. Playing with his toys. Listening to the Beatles. So for us, that Red Album is Christmas music. It's great. Um, Even the year my parents decided they needed to give me underwear, ties, and white shirts in preparation for a mission I was going on. I still wanted toys. I've always wanted toys. And then divorce came, and it threatened to change Christmas. But, you know, I still love it. I'm not going to let divorce ruin my favorite holiday. I'm going to enjoy it on the years I have my kids and on the years I don't have my kids. But it can be an emotional time, especially that first year you don't have your kids for Christmas. You don't realize that in addition to losing your marriage, you also lose some traditions that you have done for the last however many years you were married. My traditions haven't changed as much as my ex's because as it relates to family, we lived around mine our entire life. We went to my parents' house Christmas morning for 15 years. We ate breakfast with them. We spent every Christmas Eve with my grandma Goldie at our spectacular Christmas Eve parties. Parties that have been going on since I was a little kid. I still have these things, but my ex doesn't. And so divorce has changed those traditions for her much more than they have for me. My goal this episode is to help you realize that even when dealing with unanticipated divorce and struggles, Christmas can still be a magical time. And you can continue those traditions that you built through the years and even decades even if they look different from how you expected them. I've been through some tough struggles with my divorce, but I've learned to let go of a lot of the pain that I was holding on to. And what better time to figure that out than during the hectic Christmas season? Yippee skippy. But before we delve into that, it's time for story time, where I discuss the current book I'm reading. This week, I'm going to talk about Under the Tuscan Sun, Christmas, coincidentally, plays a big part in the book. And although divorce only plays a small portion in the book versus the movie, Christmas plays a much bigger part. It becomes a metaphor for both disappointment and eventually accomplishment and happiness and healing. So, I read one passage in the book where the author states that the house is a metaphor for self. And in the author's case, what she really wanted was to have the house renovations completed in enough time to spend Christmas with her boyfriend and her adult daughter. That was her plan. But the house had other plans. 
So they arrive in Italy, planning to spend a beautiful Christmas there, and, quote, the house is a wreck. Canals for the heating pipes have been cut into the inside walls of every room in the house. The workers have left rock and rubble in piles all over the unprotected floors. The plastic we'd requested was simply tossed over the furniture, so every book, chair, dish, bed towel, and receipt in the house is covered in dirt. A workman has scrawled in black felt-tip pen a telephone number on the dining room fresco. End quote. Because of the disrepair of the home, the daughter, who was going to come out to Italy to spend Christmas with them, ends up staying in New York, and they spend Christmas Eve alone in little Italy, with a disaster of a house, eating alone in a restaurant, and all the author wants to do at this point is just, quote, put my head down on the white cloth and weep, end quote. Now, how am I going to relate this to divorce? It's easy, actually. The house is a metaphor for self, like I said. And one common theme in divorce support groups is, how do I get over this? I just want the pain and sorrow to end. Well, we can do certain things to help ourselves heal, such as working with a therapist, building up a supportive divorce tribe, and taking care of ourselves both physically and mentally. But ultimately, the timetable can vary drastically between individuals. If we treat Brahma Sole, which is the villa that the author uh, and her boyfriend are renovating in Under the Tuscan Sun, if we treat Brahma Sole like the author, she's looking for healing, and she wants it by Christmas. She wants to spend time with her family. She wants the house to be perfect at this time. But the house is still in shambles. The workers left it worse off than when they arrived. Renovating the house, a.k.a. healing from her divorce, is on a slower schedule than she wants, but no amount of begging and pleading can change that. Remember that as you go through divorce. Remember that you may feel great and healed one month and feel like you're in the depths of despair the next, like your soul is filled with rubble, with dirt and dust covering every surface. You can't apply a scientific timeline to healing. Appropriately, the title of that chapter of her book is Festina Tarde, Make Haste Slowly. So let's talk about Christmas and how it can both support our healing process even as we go through extreme changes in our lives. Like I said, this can be a difficult time because we may have these happy memories associated with this time of year. And when we're alone and all we focus on are those happy memories and how they are gone, it can be very depressing. My first Christmas divorced was not. My parents were in Hawaii serving a mission, and I had won a couple tickets anywhere in the United States in a competition at work. Just pure luck. So I bought one additional ticket for my daughter, and we planned to spend three weeks in December in Hawaii with my parents. During those three weeks, I woke up every morning. I went on walks at 3 or 4 a.m., just trying to maintain a semi-similar sleep schedule so my clock wasn't too messed up when I got home. And then during the day, we went on hikes, we went to Pearl Harbor, we swam in the ocean, we visited the Polynesian Cultural Center, and just ate amazing food. On Christmas Day, we woke up and opened small gifts with the kids. It was raining, certainly not snowing like I'm used to around Christmas time, and we went to the ocean anyway. We hiked a quarter mile or so to a secluded beach, and on the way to the beach, we passed by the banyan tree that features in Lost and Pirates of the Caribbean. And then at the beach, we swam in the rain. We had the entire beach to ourselves. It was beautiful, and 
an exciting experience. But this story isn't so much about what I did with my kids that Christmas or how flippin' great it was. It's about my ex's first Christmas without the kids and how hard that was for her. For the first time in 15 years, she wasn't able to wake up and spend time Christmas morning with the kids and family. Because of that, it was an extremely sad time of the year for her. Yes, I had the kids call her and talk to her every day while we were in Hawaii, but that's not the same as spending time with them. What did help her was setting up Christmas for the kids so that when they got home, she would be able to experience that tradition of opening gifts with her kids, seeing the excitement in their faces as they opened their pink bunny onesie pajamas, um, or whatever other pajamas they got. But for her, it was tough. And for you, it may be tough that first time. So stay occupied. Work on making what time you do have with the kids special. Christmas may be a special day, but what prevents you from doing the same traditions, providing the same excitement the day after or the week after, whenever you get to celebrate that time with your children? So that's my first suggestion this time of year. Keep the traditions that you can maintain alive and then create new traditions with your kids or by yourself for that matter if you're spending Christmas alone. One thing my ex has started doing is spending more time with her family, even though they live a good four hours away. She'll pack the kids in the car and head up to her parents' house or her brother's house for Thanksgiving or for a birthday party with her father and mother. Because of our divorce, she has had more quality time with her family that lives far away. This helps compensate somewhat for the time that she no longer spends with family that used to be close by. So maybe you can watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas or gather your single friends together for a Christmas party with games and Rudolph playing in the background. Or you can gather your married friends together for games. Think of ideas that will help your kids better cope with the changes that have happened. Divorce doesn't just disrupt your life, and we all know that. It can be very disrupting to your children. Help them cope by keeping some of those traditions alive, even though they may look different than previous years. My second suggestion is to serve and help others. This not only helps the people you are serving, but it helps you as well. This past Christmas, someone dropped something off at my doorstep anonymously. Inside were 12 small boxes with the numbers 1 through 12 printed on them and 12 additional gifts. With it was a set of instructions. For the 12 days of Christmas, open a small box by the number, i.e. number 1 on the first day of Christmas, number 2 on the second day of Christmas, and so on until you reach 12 on the 12th day of Christmas. December 24th is what I did. Uh, and then in addition to the 12 boxes, you would open a gift as well. In each small box was an ornament for the 12 days of Christmas partridge in a pear tree, five golden rings, eight maids of milking, and each day my kids got to open a gift. One was a snow globe of the nativity scene, another was Toblerone candy bars, and then another box had cookies. This simple act was a great act of service for me and my kids. Not only did it keep them excited as we approached Christmas, but it also helped them to remember that Christmas is a time for helping others. During another Christmas, while I was still married, with a recently purchased house and a small baby, I was laid off of my job. I was actually laid off in September, and I was thrilled at the time. It was climbing season, so I could spend as much time as I wanted climbing and looking for a new job. I had no inkling that it would take me three to four months to find a job. So that excitement dwindled after about a month. Uh, I spent probably a week climbing, and then 
started looking and it was tough at that time. It was during the recession, so jobs weren't easy to come by. Well, as Christmas approached and money became tight, I really started worrying. A week or two before Christmas, a box showed up on our front porch. Inside the box were toys for my son and food for the next few weeks. My wife and I got a little teary-eyed going through the package. It was a blessing for us during a trying time in our lives. A couple weeks later, I had an interview and I started my new job after the Christmas holidays. But I'll always remember the service that was provided to my family. The funny thing is that this has always been taught to me by the examples of my parents. While I was growing up, my mom exemplified this spirit of service by baking loaves of fresh, hot French bread that we would pass out to neighbors in paper French bread bags as soon as it came out of the oven. There's nothing better than gluten-filled, warm, white French bread with butter and honey, or just butter, or butter and jam, or just plain. This bread was amazing. The neighbors would come around and always thank her for her bread. And while you don't have to bake loaves of fresh bread, you can work on something else with your kids to pass around to your neighbors or those in need. This can be as simple as little gift bags containing hot chocolate and candy canes, or food and toiletry bags that you can pass out to people in need. Or you can pass around homemade ornaments, something my aunt used to do every Christmas during my grandma's famous Christmas Eve party. So what other acts of service are there? Christmas is that time of year when many people turn their minds to serving. And if you look online, it's easy to find places where you can donate food or volunteer at clothing donation centers or homeless shelters. We would do this at my last job every Christmas for a team-building activity. We used team-building as an excuse, but the real benefit was being able to provide service to those who needed it more than I did. And then something I did with my children was the Sub for Santa program. With Sub for Santa, you pick a family or a couple children or even just one child, depending on what you can afford, and you basically buy them a Christmas. There's usually a card that you choose with a list of needs and then a few wants that these kids write down. So I took my kids out to do this. We picked a couple names of kids around their age, and then we went to the store together and we shot for them. Before we went shopping, I talked to my kids about what we were doing and how important it was that they were shopping for a girl and a boy who wouldn't have a Christmas otherwise. And that helped them put an actual person in need behind what we were doing. My daughter knew that she was shopping for a little girl who liked My Little Pony and who needed a warm coat for winter because she didn't have one. My son knew that he was shopping for a boy who loved Iron Man, a boy who loved... Iron Man, but who also didn't have socks to keep his feet warm during the winter. Suffer Santa is an emotional, thought-provoking act of service that puts our needs and wants into perspective. It also helps with the greed and the me-me-me attitude that can occur around Christmas with your kids. And it was a great example to them and something that showed them that there are real people behind these things that we do. My third suggestion is to spend quality time with positive family and friends. Don't spend this time alone. This is true whether you are Christian, Muslim, agnostic, or atheist. As long as you celebrate Christmas, spend it with those who love you and will support you. 
Family and friends can be part of your divorce tribe, and they can help you during these holiday seasons, even for those who aren't celebrating the birth of Christ. Christmas means family, service, and that spirit of giving. Immediately after my divorce, not around Christmas, I would spend time at my brother's house. I wouldn't necessarily talk much. Sometimes I would just take a nap on the couch, but it was a safe place for me to do that. I feel safe around my family, and around Christmas, I spend more and more time with them. On Christmas Eve for the last 40 years, like I said, I've spent Christmas Eve celebrating with my Grandma Goldie and cousins and aunts and uncles. She has a Christmas Eve party where we do a white elephant exchange. For those not in the U.S., uh, you may need to Google that. We eat her legendary beef burgundy with noodles and mashed potatoes. We eat fresh rolls with homemade raspberry jam, and we sing the 12 days of Christmas. Then on Christmas morning, we head to my parents' house. We've done this almost every year for the last 15 years. We eat a breakfast, usually Abel Skeever's. We open gifts and exchange gifts with brothers and sisters-in-law. These mornings are made for spending quality time with family. Yes, there are screaming children running around my parents' house. Yes, my dogs have gnawed off chocolate from my daughter's chocolate orange that she left on the floor, and I'm forcing them to drink a solution of hydrogen peroxide to induce vomiting. <laughs> but despite the havoc, it's good to spend time together as a family. And if you can't make it to family, that's when good friends come into play. Try to avoid the bad friends. Bad friends and family are the reason why Christmas is only once a year, so it's the only time you have to see them. Set up get-togethers with good friends, good family. Put together a movie night where you eat Christmas snacks and watch a wonderful Hallmark movie about, uh, I don't know, a big-time city girl who goes back to her small town and somehow falls in love with the village handyman who just happens to be a multimillionaire. This is a busy time of year, so explain why you need them. That you're going through a rough time, that your kids aren't with you this year, and you need someone to be with. A good friend will listen and make time for you, even if it is for a lame Hallmark movie night. Garrison Keeler put it this way, quote, A lovely thing about Christmas is that it's compulsory, like a thunderstorm, and we all go through it together. I agree, we should go through it together. We should spend it with family and friends, even if it's not necessarily compulsory. And finally, let's look at Christmas as what it's meant to be, a celebration of the birth of Christ. Now, some of you may not be Christians, some of you may not even believe in a God, but despite that, we can look at Christ's life like we look at Christmas and find those things that are universal truths regardless of beliefs. We can go even further and take those universal truths that were taught by Christ and apply them to our divorce. One, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This one can be hard in divorce, because often your ex is certainly not treating you as they would have you treat them. I'm lucky in this regard in that, despite how my marriage ended those last three years, I've remained focused on my kids and doing what's best for them. Because of that, and because of the time and distance that I've got from my divorce, I've been able to be a better parent. I've been able to heal and become better at communicating with my ex. Now, even when I was broken at the beginning of the process, we were still amicable around the kids. There wasn't any fighting. There were, of course, those moments of silent inner rage. My therapist taught me a tool. Look at myself 
that suffering soul like he is a good friend, a best friend or a family member? How would you treat this person? How would you comfort them? I can use the same approach with my ex. I know she went through some struggles and difficulties that led to the issues that led to our divorce, that led to me being destroyed emotionally, that led to me and my kids crying. And I can still cry about that and get emotional. It happened. My history is what makes me who I am, and it defines me in ways that give me strength and purpose. I can still feel anger. But with all of that, I can choose to treat my ex like I would want her to treat me. This closely ties into another principle that Christ taught in his life. Forgiveness. Now, I've been working on this one for a while. I bought the books. I've kept my gratitude journal running. I've been healing. And I'll share my process in a later episode. But what I will share now is a scripture when Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. That doesn't mean that you keep an accountant's ledger of the times you've forgiven your younger brother for making your childhood a living nightmare. It would have been well beyond the seventy times seven, by the way. That doesn't mean that you hit 490 times, that you've forgiven your ex, and you sigh with relief and say, Whew, I finally made it. I don't have to forgive her or him anymore. I thought the day would never come. What it means is forgive, 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 and forgive. It doesn't mean forget. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't set up boundaries to protect yourself. But it does mean that the burden shouldn't be on your shoulders. In another scriptural passage, Jesus is teaching when a group of Pharisees bring a woman before him. And they say, you know, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. You know, this always annoyed me because it made me wonder, well, where's the man? It takes two to tango. But they bring in this woman, they accuse her of committing adultery, and then uh, they ask Jesus, you know, hey, under the Mosaic law, the for this type of crime, she should be stoned to death. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Needless to say, this time of year we shouldn't be bearing the burden of harboring ill will towards our ex or toward others. When Christ came to earth, he brought with him a message of peace. A message of peace that is at odds with the turmoil surrounding country, religion, and race. A message of peace that is at odds with the turmoil that existed in Jerusalem at the time of his birth. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This time of year should be one where we celebrate that message of peace. Now, at the beginning of this episode, I read a passage from Under the Tuscan Sun, where the author and her boyfriend traveled to Italy hoping to spend Christmas in their newly finished Italian villa, only to find it in ruins from the construction that is ongoing. The home itself was not ready for what was in its future. Sometimes in divorce, we try to push our healing faster than we should. Ultimately, it takes its own time. Some people heal quicker than others. Some people take much longer, and that's okay. Eventually, after another year, the author returns to spend Christmas at the finished Bramasole Villa with her family. Christmas morning, quote, Ed calls up from downstairs. Look out the window. Snow fell in the night, just enough to dust the fronds of the palm tree and glaze the terraces with the sheen of white. Beautiful. Turn up the heat. We take our coffee to the wall, brush it off, and watch the fog below us moving like an opalescent sea. Snow on Christmas. Is this much happiness allowed? I secretly ask myself. Will the gods not come down and confiscate this health, abundance of cheer, these bright expectations? Is this the old scar, this rippling of want and fear? My father died on the eve of Christmas Eve when I was fourteen. The funeral day was rainy, so rainy that the coffin floated for a moment before it settled into the earth. My pink tule Christmas dance dress hung on the back of my closed door. Or is this unrest just part of the great collective holiday blues all the newspapers focus on every year? Many Christmases in my adult life have been exquisite, especially when my daughter was a child. A few have been lonely. One was very rocky. Either way, the season of joy comes with a primitive urge that runs deep into the psyche. End quote. The author is enjoying this Christmas morning with her boyfriend while her daughter sleeps upstairs and the house is finished. And although it didn't come in her expected time frame, it did eventually come. She mentions Christmases past that were happy, some that were lonely, and one that was very rocky. My guess is that the rocky Christmas didn't involve Sylvester Stallone and instead was around her divorce. I know, it's a horrible dad joke. Yet here she is spending an amazing, happy Christmas with family. That's what we have in our future, friends. The opportunity to still be happy, despite what has happened in the past or what is currently happening. So to summarize today's episode, during this time of year, especially after divorce, we can sometimes get caught up in the sorrow of what has changed in our lives. But we can impact that sorrow in a positive way by following a few tips. Mind you, there will still be sadness at times. That comes with the territory of divorce. But there are ways to mitigate that sadness and eventually reach a state of joy like the author in Under the Tuscan Sun. So, one, keep the traditions that you can maintain alive and then create new traditions with your kids or by yourself. Two, serve and help others. This will help you in more ways than you can imagine. Three, spend quality time with positive family and friends, even if it isn't necessarily on Christmas itself. And then four, remember that this time of year is meant to be a celebration of the birth of Christ. Remember those things that are universal truths that he taught in his life. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Forgive seventy times seven. 
seek out peace of mind, spirit, and body. Our bodies, our psyches, are in the process of renovation. Some are in shambles. Others are close to being complete. But let me end with one last comment. The beauty of this life is that we can continually progress and become better. So even if our house is fully renovated, we can paint a wall here, fix a leak there, knock out a new window for a better view. All this will help us achieve healing and become renovated souls. So next week is my birthday, and following my birthday is the first week of January, which coincidentally used to be the week of my anniversary. Many people view this time with sadness, and to be honest, I have viewed it like that in the past as well. But I'm going to reclaim the day for me. We talked about this when we talked about memories in a previous episode, how our perception of the past can be altered and skewed when we find out new info in the present. Well, we can also change how we view those days. And so next week will be a celebration of what I gained from my marriage not what I lost in my divorce. And the two main things I gained were my wonderful kids. All that on the next Thank you for joining me today. If you found this podcast helpful, please like and subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others who could use support and healing. Visit thedivorcetribe.com for more resources to help you through your divorce. And follow me at The Divorce Tribe on Instagram to be notified when new episodes and content are released. Remember... You are not alone. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Until next time.